0: Hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. The last few weeks have been amazing, the guests have been amazing and thank you so much for all the feedback that you have provided on social media and all the likes and shares on iTunes and Spotify. So this week is we have Jack Gadd on the podcast. For those who aren't aware who Jack Gadd is, Jack Gadd is an online coach based over in the UK. His aim is to get people stronger and leaner. Uh, He's also the 2018 MPA Lightweight British Champion. And with his online coaching, he's available at jackadfitness.com. And the way, the, the reason why he kind of wants to get Jack on was he's gone from the whole transition from being the skinny teenager uh, all the way <laughs> all the way up to being now, which if you look at his Instagram, which is at Jack uh, he's in pretty decent shape. So and I know he's, he's tried and tested with kind of the bro sign stuff because there was a picture that he put up on his Instagram about it with a full chicken in front of him which I thought was hilarious. And I said that to one of the natural bodybuilders in our place and he was kind of like, yeah, I've tried that as well. It does not work. So, Jack, thank you so much for coming on.
1: No, really appreciate you getting me on. Um, it's been great. Like I've been asked to get on a few podcasts lately, and it's nice to be able to keep relaying the message that I'm trying to put out there. So I really appreciate you uh, getting me on the podcast to have a chat. So it should be good.
0: If you if you guys are if you guys look at uh, Jack's uh, content up on his Instagram and stuff like that, it it's it's quite useful for anyone that's kind of looking to get into that world or put on. A little bit more muscle uh, so Jack knows the stuff and that was why I got him on. Um, Jack's also getting married in May so how's the how's the cut going for that?
1: Well I think it starts next week so in an ideal world I wouldn't be cutting because obviously I've only just finished my last show last year and the thought of dieting it does scare me a little bit because it's only been like four months since I finished dieting and I'm still not fully over kind of the hardship that comes with dieting but it should be fine it's only four or five weeks um and I don't want to look like a thub in my wedding suit I want to have a jawline and I don't I, want to have abs on my honeymoon so <laughs>
0: I've, I've seen the two pictures when you're saying when you're bulking photo and then you your slim photo it's it's like a different yeah. person completely Night and
2: day difference, isn't it? <laughs> yeah
0: and how, how have you found the rebound after the last uh the last show and stuff it's been okay it's been a lot better than it was in 2015 um and I think mainly for that reason was I gained body fat a
1: lot quicker than I did in 2015 this is like one of the biggest issues that I've I struggled with and that's why I feel like I can talk talk on this topic quite well is in 2015 like I reverse dieted very slowly I was adding in like 10 grams of carbs a week five grams of fat the real slow kind of reverse diet and mentally it probably took me about six seven months to get into a good place where I was comfortable with my body to start gaining body fat again whereas this time around like i came out of the show i gained body fat a lot faster and this is because i had done a lot more research into like the recovery diet by the three dmj guys and i was more happy with putting on weight faster to feel normal again um whereas like last time in 2015 my hormones they just took ages to return to normal body fat took okay, ages to settle whereas this time round I, it's been it's been fairly quick and I've enjoyed it a lot more like I've enjoyed getting back to kind of my off-season
0: levels as such instead of just like taking the real slow approach yeah look, it's a, like I, it's a complete different world that I'm used to anyway like I know my I had a coach I did a photo shoot back in November and I had a coach for that and he's a yeah. natural bodybuilder as well and there's also other bodybuilders on the, the staff in the gym that I work in as well and they're getting ready yeah. for spring classic down in Limerick in yeah. Ireland in about 11 weeks so you can kind yeah. Yeah. see the sullen look in the eyes is starting to appear. The gold look. <laughs> yeah the gaunt look is, is happening so it, it, it's a different world but I'm really interested to hear about kind of the the world that you kind of live in. So tell us a little bit more about how you kind of got into kind of weights in the first place and how you kind of got into competing.
1: Yeah cool so I first started getting into lifting weights when I joined college so I finished school um, and I went and did a public services kind of core, like, BTech course for two years. It was just a doss around for two years. There wasn't really, like, much reason for me doing it. It was just another two years where I could kind of just get away with not doing anything that hard. Um, and I found the gym through that. And that was the, like, the first time I really started getting into lifting weights. And I was what you would class as your typical skinny, fat kind of guy. Um, I was never kind of blessed with the genetics that, the kids had in my school where they had like abs but they were skinny I was just skinny fat so I didn't have abs I didn't really have muscle but I wasn't very fat either so going from like that from like where I started lifting weights in college it was just meant like an aggressive kind of three years worth gaining weight and I just I I didn't know what the words cut were like it was just I needed Lots of protein, lots of food. I would have like McDonald's on my lunch break, Uh, McDonald's on the way home as well. I just ate for about three years. And I think that's one of the big things that I wish sometimes kids now did more of instead of worrying about having abs when they're 17, 18 years old. Because in a way they're just wasting their younger years where they could put a lot more muscle on, um, and that's something that I don't regret doing. I don't regret regret getting a little heavier when I was younger because it allowed me to kind of build a platform um, and kind of create the foundation for like my physique I have today. Um, and they always say muscle is the hardest thing to gain. You can lose fat at any time when needed. So obviously started gaining throughout college and um, getting more into the gym I had like a year or so where I, where I sort of came away from it but then something clicked in my head when I was on an apprenticeship in my previous job um where I just wanted to compete like I'd watched the pump and Iron videos I'd always been really inspired by like Arnie um, like Lou Ferregno all of those guys and I was just like I want to do this and I know obviously like that's a total different ballgame to what like the natural level is now but I just wanted to like kind of I've always been really competitive I've always wanted to make like be in that competitive atmosphere and this was the way I could do it through bodybuilding I wanted to have a goal as such to to really pursue with it Um, so that was when I got into my first competition and I sort of gained a lot of weight throughout 2014 and I started my first cut at um in 2015 for my first show so that was how kind of I guess I spiraled into it was from like you say Arnie and those kind of pumping iron videos and all of the Olympia athletes and it just inspired me to to really go from there and I guess you like you say the rest is kind of history like I really got the bug um it's a very weird it's a very weird feeling to sort of describe getting on stage in a pair of a uh, pair of like bright yeah. pants and enjoying it and the
0: tan <laughs> and the shaving the legs shaving the chest yeah. yeah
1: lots of people listening in will be like why would you want to do that but it's a weird feeling like it's very euphoric spending four five six months dieting for one specific goal and then like seeing that goal through and being rewarded for it and from there it's just it's been a love of mine ever since like I, I, I just love competing love kind of making sure that I'm bettering myself every single year um and yeah that was why last year i was like had quite a successful year because i like devoted myself from 2015 when i finished to then get better for the next time and i think that's just ever going to carry on for me until i've reached my ultimate goal i
0: think you i think you touched you touched on it there about kind of dealing with the impatient side of things how do you cope with that particularly when you're kind of starting off i know myself i struggle with that a lot it's kind of the impatient side of things uh I'd be quite slim or lean. Uh and I'd struggle to I'm just almost dealing with the impatient side is one side of it, but then there's other side of getting a little bit fluffy around the edges, which I think is a lot of people struggle yeah. with as well. Have you got any tips on that regard?
1: Yeah, I think with when it comes to impatience, I think it comes to how bad you want the end goal. Um, and this is something I'm starting to realize a lot more now. When it comes to like, just for an example with people who come to me and they say they want to start building muscle, you've got to really dive deep into what's the reason for why you want to build muscle? How big do you want to get? And what is that long term goal for you? And then the impatience factor is relevant because at the end of the day, you've got to remember what you're chasing. Like for me, what I'm chasing is I'd love to be a pro bodybuilder one day, a pro natural bodybuilder. That's like one of my long term goals. And I know I've got to be patient to get there. But if you're just looking to gain a little bit of muscle, the 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 reality is you don't need to do so much in terms of muscle building because, like you just like you said, you just get impatient. Potentially, just staying leaner is actually going to be more advantageous to you than going through those phases of like just bulking forever and then getting impatient and then cutting again because it just you, you get into this trap
0: where you're just running around in circles I feel um I feel a lot of people get into that trap yeah I mean, that, I mean that's big time it's it's not only for the kind of the bulking side it's also kind of for the fat loss side and the fat loss would be kind of my kind of niche or kind of my most of my clients would be falling into that bracket there is this whole thing about this magic pill syndrome that seems to be going around with all these kind of celebrities and endorsements and magic formulas and crash diets and stuff like that. What would you say to someone that's kind of in that psyche at the minute about kind of trying to stay away from that?
1: I think again it comes back to that point of like why why do you need to have a crash diet um and and again it comes back to just you need to make this thing a lifestyle i think that's the majority of the reason for why people's impatience fall to them quicker than their goal because it's not a lifestyle to them and i think as soon as it becomes something that you do day in and day out like sticking to a caloric deficit is just part of your day it becomes a lot easier to hit those long-term goals that you're looking to achieve instead of just trying these fad diet pills trying these detox plans in four weeks because you know yeah you might lose your 12 pounds but you're going to put that back on because the lifestyle hasn't been built it needs to be something that you've got to have ingrained in your habits I feel like tracking your food that's just a habit that you build over time you can't just do these detox diets and then just expect to go back to normal and stay the same. Like, that doesn't work because you're just going to put everything that you've lost back on. Whereas if you build these habits, like obviously tracking macros, going to the gym, making sure you're hitting the gym on a regular basis, leaving yourself enough calories for big meals out, all it does is it just makes any phase you go through, whether that's gaining, whether that's cutting, it just makes it a hell of a lot easier um, than trying these kind of four six week fad diet things, which never work.
0: Yeah, they never work. Um, and then I know there's t- kind of two sides to kind of doing the bulking, which is kind of the, 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 the dirty bulk, or else there's kind of the other side of the bulking, which is kind of being more patient. Have you, you From what you said at the beginning was you did the McDonald's kind of thing when you were a little bit younger to try and do the dirty bulk. What would you advise? Would you kind of advise someone to go down the dirty bulk route at the beginning if they're really, really slim? Or would you kind of say, no, be patient with the whole process?
1: I think i try and find out what that person really means by dirty bulk as well. Because I think this is one of the biggest things that, again, it's one of those words which gets thrown around a lot in the industry that I guess people don't really understand what it means. I think dirty bulk, a lot of people... I think that means that you just eat loads of junk foods and loads of crap and you put on loads of weight and suddenly that's all muscle mass when the reality that's not true I think one of the first things I would always try and iron out is with the dirty bulk side of things in theory that's just the faster rate of gain um, you're just going to gain weight faster doing a dirty bulk as opposed to what would be a lean bulk so obviously a lean bulk you're probably going to gain weight a bit slower dirty bulk you're going to gain faster but in terms of like what you should do when it cut like when I said obviously what I was mentioning earlier about obviously I ate, ate a lot more McDonald's when I was younger and everything and I kind of I ate a lot more naughty foods as such that was because I was like you said I was quite skinny so I could get away with effectively eating more and I was eating a lot of good quality stuff alongside of that that was just an extra to push my calories up at the end of the day so it wasn't like I was just eating McDonald's for every every meal (laughs) it was the fact that I was eating that just to help me get my calories in because I was like so young and so skinny it did help me get a bit bigger a bit quicker but looking back Potentially, I could have done it a bit slower, um, could have gained weight a little bit slower, and I wouldn't have put as much fat on. But I feel like I made the most progress when I really learned how to gain weight and how to hit macros properly, um, as opposed to kind of that earlier stage where I was just eating like everything and being a hoover.
0: <laughs> yeah. And did you, did you, um, did you, were you tracking back then? Or was like, obviously, tracking is kind of one of these kind of terms that has been thrown around a lot recently were you tracking back then or was it just kind of a seafood diet anything that you saw just kind of went into the mouth
1: yeah so back then when I wasn't really into like the science side of things I wasn't really tracking um it was only I only really started roughly tracking in about 2014 and still then I didn't have a handle on it as well as I should have done it was a case of I was just I was following a lot of bro articles. Like I was, I think I was eating four or five hundred grams of protein at one point a day, and I was—it just wasn't good. Like I know it wasn't good, and I look back and I cringe massively. <laughs> um, and but yeah, that was it. And they just helped me get the calories in, but I didn't need that much. Like there was no need for that at all, uh, not in the slightest. Like it was only when I really started my first diet, I actually learned what I needed to eat and how much I needed to eat and how to train, and that was when it kind of really. I made the best progress because I was eating the right foods and training the right way. <laughs> I
0: mean, that, no, that's an awesome answer. and I, I you, you kind of mentioned there about the the training side of things. How, what's your split at the moment? How many days a week are you training?
1: So currently I'm doing 5 days a week in the minute. First for the majority of like the first years I got into training I only did 4 days. I was doing just an upper lower split and that was pretty much it. So that was like for the majority of my training and then when I sort of left my job in 2018 I did switch to a 5 day split because I could effectively train a bit more. I could now obviously split my body and up over more days in a, in, a, in a better manner so I currently train push ball legs and then I have a rest and then I do an upper lower so it's split nicely over five days like I've done every split you could possibly think of I've done the bro split when I first started um I've done when I was doing a bro split I was doing like drop sets for every single set so basically set one would be like a set of dumbbell bench press and then I would drop that by half and then drop it again for the same reps and that would be one set. So like one set would equal three sets in a way. But yeah, it was just so much volume and just I was not getting anywhere with my training. And that was when I first started watching things on YouTube of how to gain muscle, how to get a big chest and they bring up all these old videos
0: and you follow them to a T and yeah, you realise looking back how stupid they were. Yeah. Now <laughs> but it's yeah, a- now so go ahead i said for now yeah i'm just doing the five day a week split and obviously
1: i've learned a lot about training over the last sort of four or five years and i'm i'm very happy with my training's at, at the minute
0: that, that's awesome um and like alongside your training you obviously have the nutrition side and then there's i know you get this asked this question a lot with this kind of regarding the supplements what kind of supplements are you taking at the minute as a natural bodybuilder
1: so at the minute I, i'm i'm one of the kind of guys that's very simple when it comes to supplements you'll see a lot on instagram now and it's really getting to me actually a bit the whole kind of the supplement game is uh, you need to take this you need to take that i think there is a few supplements that you really need which you're going to struggle to get from food which is probably going to help so a whey protein being one of them there's nothing worse than you get into the end of the day and you've got to eat it like loads of protein from food and stuff and you don't want to cook. So just having a whey, protein, a whey protein on hand is a good idea. A creatine, because naturally you're probably not going to get enough of that from food to have the actual amount that you really need. And that's just a simple creatine mm-hmm. monohydrate, um, like five grams a day. I'll take a multivitamin because at the minute my vegetable intake is absolutely horrendous. Um Fast, but like if we were right, if we, we right 10 months ago, my veg intake would have been amazing because I was dieting, I wanted all the veg, all the food, but now it is actually awful. <laughs> it's funny how you go through those stages where you cut and you eat all the veg and then you go into a gaming phase and I just don't want to touch it. Uh, I'll tell you something funny actually. I remember when I was prepping in 2015, I would eat a whole pack of cherry tomatoes a day and I would eat a whole pack of um, baton carrots and um, my feet started turning orange. Like genuinely, really like Cheeto annoying.
0: orange. Huh? Like Cheetos. when you have a big bag of Cheetos? Your fingertips turn yellow.
1: <laughs> it was so bad. Like I was, when I look back, it was like cringe worthy. But I, was, I guess I was getting enough vitamins in, but probably too much.
0: <laughs> wow, Jesus.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, that's a multivitamin um, and also like an omega free fish oil. I think that's a good one because most of us we don't get enough fatty fish in throughout the week. um It's expensive as well, getting in salmon and things like bassa as well. Like, you'd rather get it in from just some capsules, it's very easy to get that in. And then also, pretty much, just like a caffeine, just for free training, just so you've got some sort of energy. And that's basically as far as I go in terms of supplements. The only other ones which I guess. Are add-ons to them, which aren't needed, but they do help me. Um, and I think that's the thing with supplements: to remember, none of them are needed. And if you can afford the expense of them, then fine, carry on because they may give you the extra benefit. I take a sleep supplement, um, and also sometimes a highly branched cyclic dextrin. So when I'm training, I've just got a bit of energy, and that is pretty much the base of my supplement amounts.
0: So, uh, and what supplement are you taking for sleep? Because I know a lot of people are kind of on, a, are kind of in a on the go kind of era at the moment that everyone's either on their phones or just kind of rushing to work having kids and families yeah. about it. what kind of stuff are you taking for your sleep at the minute
1: so at the minute i'm taking endeavor big dream it's basically a mix of it's got like five htp and um zinc and some other ingredients which i can't list unless the label the label is in front <laughs> of me um but the, the thing with sleep, and I think a lot of people forget this, sleep supplements will only really help if you are making the things that you need to do to your sleep actually work. So when it gets to an evening, making sure you're having like limited screen time, I think that's one of the biggest things a lot of people don't we don't do. We all lie in bed and we all look at our phone. It's a bright screen and it's in our eyes and I'm guaranteed that's probably going to keep you up for longer than you need to be up. <laughs> um, so one of the things I would do is set like a downtime lighting on your phone. If you've got an iPhone, you can actually do that now. You can put the brightness down at a certain time of the day so when you look at your screen, it's not harsh on your eyes. Um, you can have a big carby meal before bed. That's always one of the biggest things. As you probably know, when you eat food very late at night, You tend to feel quite lethargic when you have a big carby meal. I I tend to feel lethargic anyway, um, and you just want to go to sleep. Um, And, yeah, just making sure you're actually making steps to make your sleep better instead of just relying on supplements. And that's like everything for all supplements. People worry about a pre-workout, but before they train, they're not getting enough fluid in, they're not getting enough um, food in, they're not in a chilled environment. So getting a pre-workout is probably going to be irrelevant if you actually control those other three variables. So,
0: again supplements they're there to supplement got to control the other stuff as well <laughs> yeah i think i think sleep is the biggest issue particularly kind of the industry we're working in Is the kind of with the, the fitness side of things early mornings late evenings and stuff like that and yeah. it's kind of always on the go and that kind of thing i find that kind of ca- cutting caffeine out at about two o'clock works for me because it kind of stays in your system for about five to seven hours and coffee yeah, seems, yeah and i think coffee is probably the best pre-workout anyway i don't really like those kind of the, the big the, the the drinks the big booster of the drinks and stuff like that do what's your, yeah. what's your kind of um, kind of impression or opinion on those kind of pre-workout drinks that are out there at the minute
1: do you mean like the like you can buy the tubs at yeah the little tubs you
0: see in the little yeah. machines and stuff that you see in the gyms
1: um, I'm, to be honest, I, I am pro for them. I do like them because obviously if you've not got coffee on hand, yeah. they're quite good just to like have a little kick of something. But like yourself, I will cut that at probably about 4 o'clock in the day because I know I tend to go to sleep at about 11 Um, and I want to have a caffeine-free period for a good kind of 6, 7 hours where I'm not consuming anything. I think the worst thing with caffeine is when people slam coffee late at night And then they're always moaning about their sleep. There's a reason for that. It's because you've got caffeine in your system still and you're taking that before you train at seven at night. So if you wanted the same effects that a pre-workout gives you, I would look at investing in like a pump formula. Something that's got the same ingredients as a pre-workout, but without the stimulant in it, which is going to keep you awake.
0: And I think you also mentioned about the kind of the phone. I know I'm guilty of this as well, of looking at the phone late at night. Me too. Yeah. So I'm trying to kind of put like flight mode on my phone when I come back from my last client. It's easier said than yeah. done sometimes. I know you can get kind of the, do you have the goggles that you can get, the blue light goggles that you can get off Amazon or anything like that? I think they're only like what, 15, no. 20, 20 euros? Yeah.
1: I've not invested in them, to be honest. I see a lot of people use them. Um, and I can see the benefits of it, obviously, blocking the blue light. But I just, I've just i just never bothered with them, to be honest. I've always just done the brightness thing on my phone. Um, sleep's never been a massive issue for me. I never really struggled to get to sleep anything which I've noticed is I just wake up more in the night and that's usually because I have a cup of decaf tea before bed so that's something I probably shouldn't do um but yeah I I haven't invested in the blue light progress yet I might do um but it's just whether I want to walk around Tesco with my blue light glasses on
0: yeah yeah could be starting a fashion trend I say will I am as a parent but he probably wears them out all the time um the other one of the other things was kind of you mentioned about water Water seems to be one of these things that a lot of people kind of neglect, especially if they're kind of sitting at a desk and they have a stenchy job and not kind of getting enough water. I find that I'm noticeably more lethargic if I don't get enough water. Uh, yeah. Do you have any tips and stuff for people to kind of get enough water into their systems throughout the day or what's the what's the optimum amount in your eyes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of getting enough in, the tips that you can use is just mix it with some form of like a cordial or something. Or
1: so galera free orange juice. Yeah, yeah, you've got I think you've got those shop things now. So you could either have one of them or you work at the same desk every day. There's nothing wrong with having like a fifty P bottle of sugar free raspberry or orange drink to mix into your water to make it taste better um when it comes to water I think in a deficit it's really one of those things which will help you when it comes to curbing your hunger and keeping you full and hydrated in the gym like this time around I have really focused on my water intake when I cut last year and I noticed I stayed fuller like when I was dieting I didn't look like skinny and depleted like often you tend to do when you go into a diet Um, and I think that really really helped it massively helped with hunger it helped with my skin as well and I think when it comes to just reminding yourself to drink you just need to you just need to be honest with yourself and consistent with it like take a big bottle with you like a three four liter jug and make sure that's gone by the end of the day so you're sipping it throughout the day. You could even set alarms on your phone if you're really that bad at drinking water. Um, And I think they've even got those little gadgets now, which you can actually drop into a bottle, which actually reminds you on your phone to drink because it then tells you that you're dehydrated. So there's, there's so many ways to do things. There's so many different things that will remind you to do something. But I think at the end of the day, like the big bottle trick and making sure that that's gone before you get home is probably one of the best things you can do. Because um, it's there, you, you're aiming to drink that whole big bottle and then it's done, isn't it, for the day. Um, and when it comes to an optimal amount, I think this is going to depend on, I guess, what you do in the day as well and how much you actually dehydrate yourself. Like for me, sitting at a desk, it would probably be. I wouldn't need as much for someone who's walking around all day um, and getting dehydrated. I always end for around about three to four liters at the minute. When I was in prep, I was on about five or six because I wanted more to keep me fuller in the gym and everything. Um, but yeah, I'd sort of say around about three or four liters is a good is a good range, separate to things like your coffee and your tea and everything like that.
0: And do you use the salt trick with your with your water as well? The what? Sorry. The salt trick. What's that? Salt. They so put the salt into the water, and it kind of gives you an extra bit of a pump into your muscles and stuff. the uh, like.
1: salt. So, uh, um no, I don't actually, because usually when I'm when I do train, I either take a pump formula or a pre-workout. So um, when it comes to like pre-training that's going to give me enough from what's actually in the pre-workout like a citron in something or to get to get me obviously that full uh, like veiny look when i'm training <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i've seen pictures he's pretty veiny so you're doing you're doing <laughs> something right uh one of the the, the thing that you kind of from the industry from look on the outside in because i'm i'm not in that kind of the the, the bodybuilding industry is the bulking and cardio that cardio can be kind of put to one side what's your kind of what's your kind of routine on the cardio at the minute
1: so it it, it it will sound really uh against it because i'm not doing any cardio at the minute like um i don't i didn't actually do any cardio prep this is the thing i just did steps i think people miss under in like they misinterpret how how much steps can help when it comes to your, your cardio for, for, for your diet and your bulking like when you're in those cycles um so I'm always a massive like step lover um so when I'm when I'm in a gaining phase my steps will be massively reduced but I'll still make sure I get them in I think it's a good idea to have some form of cardio whether you do one like treadmill session a week or you get a step count in a day because one of the things you've got to remember when you're gaining you're still still going into the gym you've still got to get through those like high rep sets when you're doing a high rep set on squats or like deadlifts like that's really really hard when you get to those seven eight reps so having the cardiovascular fitness there is obviously going to be good and it's also good for your health as well like there's nothing wrong with actually going out and getting a walk because there's nothing worse when you're in a game phase and you get tired going up a set of stairs and it's like yeah I should maybe cut back on this now or we'll go and get uh, go and get some extra cardio in because your, your fitness just becomes like rock bottom so I think having a small amount in is good but not doing too much to where it's then detriment to your training that's one of the issues I see with a lot of people is where they do lots of cardio like they would do in their cut but then it makes their training rubbish in an off-season because they're always tired. Like, if you're doing 200, 300 calories of cardio a day and you're struggling with your training, you're always tired, like... Guarantee that's probably one of the reasons for it. So I think there's a fine limit of what you should be doing. I just I always do steps because it's very low impact. It doesn't really take much out of my day. It's very enjoyable as well, just going out and getting a walk
0: in. I think I think the walk is something I've started doing a lot more in 2019. Kind of set myself a New Year's resolution, <laughs> kind of doing two or three walks a week. Literally a good way to kind of get out for 30 45 minutes, getting the steps up, but also kind of just sticking in a podcast or listen to something in your ears and kind of
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, uh, like like the likes of Audible and stuff are fantastic for that.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and, and even if you're someone who can't get out and do steps in the evening because it's raining or maybe you work long hours, you could still do steps on a treadmill at the gym. Just put what you would put on Netflix when you get home on on your phone and watch that when you walk. Like, there's so many simple ways to get it in. It's just taking action and doing it, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And things, step, steps are so easy to track as well. You can get a tracker for 20, 30 quid. If you want to be a bit more fancy, you can get a Fitbit. iPhones count your steps now as well. So there's no excuse not to hit a target every day, I feel.
0: Yeah, I think that's awesome advice. Just, just get out and just get walking. or just You can do it either in the gym or get out and kind of walk. In the local area and stuff you mentioned something exactly, about yeah. you mentioned about genetics uh a little bit earlier how much yeah. do you feel they they kind of play a role in the whole kind of bulking phase or bulking mm-hmm. bulking thing i think they play a role in how you look in a bulking phase in a bulking phase for sure
1: um and I, and, and again it kind of brings me back to that point this is something i noticed a lot with kids who were who were a bit younger at school when they had kind of they had abs and arm veins and stuff and they were just naturally kind of muscly skinny teenagers um and I see them now and when they're in their gaining phases they look really good they've got abs showing um they look great in terms of when they're when they're pushing their body weight up whereas myself <laughs> I'm one of those kids who never had abs so when I go into a gaining phase they go straight away I lose kind of my leanness around my midsection i get love handles and everything but when I diet they'll then come back in so I think it's just I think genetics when gaining is kind of luck of the draw with how you look and that's something you've always got to try and it's got to be in the back of your head I wouldn't put that at the forefront of your head and say why you're not in the position you don't want to be in it's because of genetics at the end of the day we've all got the ability to change our physiques and be better um, but sometimes when it comes to a game phase and you are a bit fluffier than someone else who is in a game phase genetics could be the reason why um and this is something that i think has always got to be considered for sure but um, that's something i've noticed for sure i don't know whether you've ever noticed it with like you see it in kind of your clients where they're just leaner and then they start gaining and they stay lean and then you've got clients who aren't as lean um and then they start gaining and they just carry a lot more fat and it's just part of that process i think
0: yeah it, it, it really is like different people so like i was with what the one of the guys i work with him going over to birmingham i'm actually meeting jack over in birmingham in, on this weekend and he's coming over with us and he was doing his kind of six month check-in photos today and doing all the posing and stuff in the in the kitchen and stuff today and he's he's quite lean naturally he was very skinny as a kid and he manages to hold the kind of definition uh compared to me if i even go into slight caloric surplus the belly the the hips the hips don't lie. I go straight to there. It, it's just it's just yeah. different strokes are different for folks. Like it really is.
1: Exactly. I think that's the thing. Your 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 body fat distribution will be. I think uh, again, it will be very predicated by. I think your genetic profile as well. In some in some respects, um, like for myself, like when I when I when I think and really look back at stuff, like my dad, he was a cycler, he was a runner. His legs have always been really lean, and when I look at my legs in a game phase, they're pretty lean as well. But his stomach that that again like it, he holds more body fat around his stomach, so I think genetics does come into play in some respects. you'll have leaner body parts, but then you will have those kind of those those fatter body parts and I think naturally for men, we do tend to hold it a lot more around our stomach and our hips, and obviously with women, it tends to be around their legs and their glutes, and I think that's something I do tend to notice a lot with clients and others that I speak to as well
0: i that I, I that's that's awesome kind of explanation for those that may not be aware of how much of a role the genetics does play into kind of losing weight or putting on muscle um one of the things that a lot of people may struggle with is kind of getting a little bit uh, disheartened with a particular part of their body or struggling to either grow a particular part of the body or shrink a particular part of their body would you have any i any advice for someone that's kind of looking to so for me my arms don't get that big they just go a little bit lean but would you have any advice for someone that's kind of looking to bulk up and is struggling to grow a particular body part
1: mm-hmm. i think there's three things you need to look at here like three main key things which is going to really help that body part become better um, i think the first thing is your form you see it a lot with a lot of people they look at the, they they'll, they'll say their chest isn't growing the way it should be and then you look at their form on different things and they're doing half reps they're not completing a full rep set um potentially they're doing the wrong movements for their body type so that's something to consider i think form is the biggest thing first the second is the intensity with that lift um again this 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 shows in my physique as well because my arms are one of my weakest parts but when i get to do my arm work my intensity is nothing like it would be on a set of squats so the intensity is something which you need to look at if you're finishing your last rep on your cable curl and you've got five or six more in you you need to ask yourself if you're really training that muscle hard enough Um, and that's something that i started to now think about this year when i get to my arm training I always just remind myself, like, Jack, your arms are rubbish. They need to be improved. So next time you step on stage, they're going to look better. So it kind of drives me to finish the those, like, last kind of exercises with my arms involved, um, actually putting some effort into them. Um, and potentially training them first as well. So give them as, like, your first muscle group to train instead of the last thing you train. It's like calves at the end of leg day. You just kind of half-ass yeah, them. Yeah,
0: they really it's, are. They really are. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you just kinda have asked them in a way and it's like and that's why they never look as good as like your quads or your hamstrings because you've battered them beforehand. And then the third one is just potentially doing like specialization sessions on them, looking at how many quality sets you're doing per week. So I kind of adding them up and then looking to increase your total amount of sets over time, maybe over a mesocycle. Arms can handle a lot of volume. Um, They can recover really well. They're a small muscle group. It's not like when you kind of batter your quads and they take two or three days to recover. You could probably train arms every day if you wanted to. Yeah, it's probably not ideal. But the recovery rate on them tends to be a lot faster. So I found it myself and with a lot of clients. So you can train them more and you could potentially do more volume on them. So start adding them on to the days when you've got the availability to do so so at the end of your leg day could you add on three sets of biceps and three sets of triceps um could you really look to increase your volume of your arm volume over that course of the week to really bring them up so they're not a weaker body part anymore and those body parts which are stronger body parts let's say your chest your shoulders you could bring them down a little bit stop doing as much work on them and prioritize a week apart for a little time being, but I think that should come as secondary to the form and intensity, um, because they're usually the ones which aren't in place first. They need to be nailed down. Then you can look at added on quality sets per week.
0: I think. I like the I like the saying of trying to get more arm days in. I like to sound of that idea. Um,
1: yeah, I, I think a lot of people think just because you're doing a leg day, you can't do anything else. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with adding a set of arms onto your leg day. Like It's not really going to do that much. It's not much at the end of a workout to do so. And it just gives you a little bit of extra volume if it is a real weak point for you. So again, and obviously combining all of that with a caloric surplus and the right macros as well, that usually helps.
0: <laughs> Throwing in the cheeky caloric surplus, yeah. The, the buzzwords at <laughs> the minute, yeah. Um the, the thing at the minute that I've kind of there's a lot of kind of debate about at the minute is kind of training to failure, particularly on the kind of the compound lifts, and then also kind of the side of the D load weeks. I know particular bodybuilders in particular may struggle mentally more so with the D load weeks because they just want to like pump, pump, pump. How do you what's your advice and kind of uh rate exercise into failure and then also with kind of the deload side of things
1: so exercise to failure I think this is a topic that's definitely I guess done to death in the industry but still no one's really got an answer on it um, because everyone's got a different opinion and for me I like to have a bit of both I'm never like pro something and then negative against the other so I'm a big believer in leaving reps in reserve on things like your compound sets um, when needed i think you've got to be you've got to be really clever about your training you can't just do everything to failure because when we look at obviously what the primary driver of muscle hypertrophy if you're looking at obviously your volume we want to make sure that is going up in a nice linear fashion if you were to go to failure on your first set of squats the likelihood is your second set probably not going to get as many reps third set you're probably going to need to bring down the load and you still probably won't meet the rep range you want so in turn your volume that you're lifting yeah the intensity will probably be quite good on that first set but the second third fourth will probably be pretty really poor so i think personally leaving one or two reps in the tank to allow for consistency across the board with your sets is a great way of doing things or if you're just someone who really wants to train to failure, I would start using things like top sets and down sets. This is something I'm using now more of more now because I'm, I'm enjoying failure a little bit more. I'll use that top set, which will usually be at a lower rep range to go a bit closer to failure. And then my down sets will be at a bit of a higher rep range to kind of build the volume up. obviously leave a few reps in reserve but the general bulk of my training has always been like one to two reps before failure and as I get towards the end of a mesocycle then I'll start to incorporate a lot of like no reps in reserve work um, like when I get towards the end of that cycle it's that thing you set up a new block week one failure and then it's like how do I progress from this it's very difficult so we need to be clever use failure when it's needed if you've got progression there. I would always say to take it. So if you can progress a lift and it means going that little bit closer to failure, I think you should do it. But you should always have it in the back of your mind that backing off on most sets is probably going to be a good idea. And you could use failure on things like accessories, um, things which don't really cause a lot of fatigue, um, like later in the session. You do like a a failure squat and then the rest of your session is just ruin because you've got a bad back you're really knackered your cns is just in the gutters so it's just it's not worth it um so that's kind of my take on things i'm very like i'm for it on both sides but i'm not really like a negative failure person or a negative reps in reserve i like to use a mix of both for my training and i think that's having the best of both worlds i can train to failure and i can leave reps in reserve kind of when needed and what about load weeks so load weeks um i really like them I'm. I, I guess I'm probably not. Would be you. I'm. I'm not your hardcore bodybuilder in a way. Um, because I do like deload weeks because it gives me more time to do things not gym related. Um, which sometimes I think we we forget about. So I tend to go for more meals out with my girlfriend. Tend to do more things around the house, which is like actually needed to be done because a deload week actually gives that it gives me time to back off of my training and it's needed as well and I think potentially if a lot of people are getting to the point of a deload and they don't feel like they need one you've got to ask whether they've trained hard enough over the last six to seven weeks to warrant having a deload and this is what I see a lot with a lot of people like they can go and train but. 12 13 14 weeks and they don't need a deload. then I'm sort of asking myself are you really training hard enough in your normal sessions to really warrant having that um in terms of what I do for exercise selection I keep it the same as what I've been doing over the the, the training block but I'll basically just drop sets by like one or two and I'll drop about 10% of my loading so it'll be a real easy week half an hour 45 minute sessions in and out focus on other stuff, um, rest, recover
0: for the next training week and the next mesocycle or training block. And how often do you change up your program? Um, usually every six to eight weeks.
1: So that's usually when I when I fall into my deload sort of realms. Like I'll usually get to about the sixth or seventh week, start to notice more signs of fatigue, um, potentially some niggles as well, and then I'll have my deload um, based on that instead of taking it to the point where I'm getting injured, I'm getting ill, and then I'm off for two weeks because of that. So I'll usually take it around about that six to eight week mark. It really depends. Some clients, they they fall on the fifth week. Some clients, they fall on the ninth week. And this is why I think having things like video feedback so you can look at everyone's training and look, look at your own training as well. Video your own things. I think this is the thing everyone needs to take away is video your own sets and look back and see if you've worked hard enough. Because realistically,
0: we can all potentially go that little bit harder on our sets. I feel. Yeah, I, know. I, I, I agree with you on that regard. I'd probably sometimes I probably do meet leave. Personally, I probably do leave maybe one or two reps that I probably could have pushed out, uh, and that's just it's just a mental block. It's particularly the ones that are kind of like, on the on the chest and stuff like that. I feel that like I, I have a sticking point, and it's just trying to push that. So go, yeah. Yeah uh so what i've i've got now is i kind of tend to but if i'm particularly working on those kind of lifts and stuff is get a spotter it doesn't matter yeah. if it's someone if it's a randomer in the gym or one of the other pt's you just kind of call them over it's only going to take them 30 40 seconds to kind of spot you for for that thing yeah. and, and it's also it's good. It's good just for them to shout at you as well, if that's what you're into. Uh, But also, if you want your headphones in, it's just good just to have kind of the safety net as well and watch your form. So that would be my opinion on that side. Uh, Yeah, good. What about, I know, with the kind of the bodybuilding, kind of the, the fitness industry as a whole... People think that it's kind of an all or nothing approach and they can't have a social life, they can't go out and have a few drinks with their mates, they can't go out for lunch with the girls or the lads or whatever it is. You seem to have it fairly nailed down at this stage. Did you struggle with it at the beginning or what would be your advice kind of going forward if someone was kind of looking to get into that world? I don't think I've ever struggled with the social aspect of it because
1: I felt like I understood the the principles of it really early into my training career. And I felt like it didn't it never really made too much detriment to me um, having a social life with bodybuilding. Um, albeit in prep, what I find difficult is actually having a social life because I don't have the calories for it. So the reality is when it comes to meals out and everything. there's not much room for it because my food gets so low i'm quite busy with like other things which are needed for the prep and everything and my head when it comes to prep that's the goal like i don't want anything to put me off of the goal but when i'm in an off season i don't see any reason why we can't just be normal um at the end of the day we don't need to be all-out bodybuilders year-round. We can still have a lifestyle. I'm going for curry tonight. Like, that's that's just how I like to do it in an off-season. And what I've done today is I've just ate less. Um, at the end of the day, curry is chicken and rice. <laughs> it's the perfect bodybuilder meal with a bit of sauce. Um, and as long as it fits into your calories or it roughly fits there or thereabouts, you can enjoy those kind of things without needing to say no to a social occasion because you need to hit your calories or you need to hit your protein. Like there's ways to get around things. Like you can, you can eat your protein throughout the day. And then it means that when you go for a curry, you can just enjoy it. Or when you go for a Chinese, you can just pick food as long as you've got calories left. I think it just gives you so much options to do in an off season as compared to obviously on prep. But I, 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 I don't see any reason why you can't have a social life. If you're going to go drinking at the weekend, cool. Don't make it something that's going to be a weekly habit because that will probably throw you off your sort of goals. But if it's something that happens maybe the odd month or so, it's not going to do much harm. It really won't. It's just like diet drinks uh having having a can of diet drink a day is not going to kill you and normal going out for some drinks with your friends at the end of the day life's too short to avoid social occasions and not go out with your friends because you want to sit at home and eat a tub of fruit yogurt you need to enjoy life as well i think that's one of the biggest things
0: i'm delighted you said the flexible approach uh because some. yeah
1: uh, I've, I've always been a flexible approach Like so i've tried the chicken and rice thing i've tried not going out with friends and it's not it doesn't work like I I get better results when I'm in a chilled atmosphere I'm enjoying my social life I'm going out for food sometimes with friends it's just a much better approach for me that's
0: I mean that's that's probably the 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 biggest part I would take out of this if I was to kind of talk to my clients and say listen to that little bite Mm -hmm. and that would be kind of the thing I would say to those guys because I think especially when you're first starting off you're kind of so determined to kind of either get that weight off or just kind of lift a load of weights. Is that you kind of i
1: think i, I think it, there's there's obviously come a come a time where you potentially might have to say no to a meal out like if you're in the last couple of weeks of your fat loss phase and your food is really low but the majority of time you can work anything in if you've got if you're on low food let's say you're on 2000 calories a, a day there's no reason why you can't bank 200 calories from monday to friday to give you an extra thousand to have on saturday so you can go out and enjoy your food but there's there's always ways of getting around things to stay in your deficit you don't have to just be a social uh, her- hermit to, to to get your fat loss goals
0: <laughs> yeah that's I, I, yeah, brilliant um one of the i had a look through your instagram and looked a few of your posts and stuff like that but one of the ones that yeah. resonated with me the most was from september 2018 uh about stop worrying yeah. about what others people what other people are doing particularly in kind of the gym a lot of people seem to think that when they walk into a gym environment a lot of people are going to be kind of watching them and they they're going to be worrying that people are going to be watching their form or kind of kind of talking behind their back or they're going to say something to them or going to come over to them and embarrass them what would you what would your advice be to someone that's kind of feeling that kind of little paranoia or that little noise in the back of their head that's kind of telling them maybe someone is watching me in the gym yeah I I think when it comes to getting into the gym atmosphere if you've not been in it for a while or
1: you've been out of it I think the biggest thing to take away is that the first thing we've all been there so we've all been yourself if you are listening to this and you've not been in the gym for a while or you're just getting into the gym we've been that person and the second thing to take away is that everyone in the gym is friendly there's not really anyone in the gym who is going to be an outright like I don't know whether you can swear on this but an outright, go ahead, idiot. Work away. <laughs> an outright idiot to you um, if you ask them how to do an exercise or if you ask them to show you how to do something everyone in the gym is usually pretty friendly it's rare that I go into the gym and there's someone that is like kind of a bit of an arse like it's very rare that happens so I think you've just got to remember everyone's in there for their own reason their own goals so just at the end of the day put your headphones in and just crack on with the session um, and you'll feel much better when you get out of it and I think the thing of people looking at you people aren't looking at you Um, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people think I used to think that people were looking at me when I was younger and I was first starting but at the end of the day you just got to crack on people look uh, at everyone in life even when they're just walking across the street so they're not looking at you because they're judging you I promise you
0: (laughs) they probably they could even be admiring what you're doing uh, and they're like, well, can't, why can't yeah. I do that? And that's the kind of positive spin I try to put on with my clients is that if they're particularly because if they're only new to the gym is maybe they're kind of admiring you, like saying kind of fair play for getting in there and getting going and pushing mm-hmm. yourself and kind of changing, changing the way you're thinking or changing the way you're feeling. So try to put the positive yeah. spin on it. Uh, yeah. Jack, I've got two more questions. Um, one of them is what would be the advice that you would give to yourself Again, if you were to start the whole process all over again,
1: (laughs) God, there'll be so much advice I need to give to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say research. I think this is the biggest thing. Um, Research, either invest in your yourself by going to learn with courses, or even if it's a coach or something like that, to fast track. To get to where you need to get to. Um, because it took me a good two to three years to really understand training volume, nutrition, macros, flexible dieting, banking calories. It took me years to understand that. But it would have been quicker if I would have done things like invest in myself earlier um, and actually learnt more quicker. I think that's one of the biggest things. It's like with anything in life when it comes to learning things quicker you've got to invest in yourself whether that's going to school to learn a course or something um or if you want to say get into properties you learn and you invest in someone who knows how to do it and you learn how from them you learn about how they do things so it's i think that's the biggest thing is just investing in yourself to cut out the years of trying to find how to get there there's that will be the fastest approach and that's something i wish i did earlier i wish i kind of researched more when i was younger instead of trusting kind of people in the gym and their advice which is usually the wrong advice um there's the 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 world of google is at our hands 24 7 so there's so much you can learn online it's just committing yourself to learning or you invest in courses or coaches whatever it might be to help get you there
0: and is there two or three people that you kind of would say to kind of go to for that kind of information
1: i think obviously for, for my kind of niche um like obviously bodybuilding kind of style stuff would be like three DMJ. Um their stuff is really, really good. You've got like Dr. Mike Isratel as well. Uh Steve Hall from Revive Stronger. He's got some amazing podcasts out and loads of articles online as well. Um like general health and fitness, I guess for kind of general population. Like I know people slate him, but James Smith. Um, I really like the style he puts out. Obviously it's a lot of stuff about shit shouting about calorie deficit, but again, he is he's putting out the right stuff for that general health and fitness kind of vibe that people need to learn when it comes to calories and macros and everything. So that would be kind of the ones I for two different niches I would follow mainly.
0: Um and the last question that I'm gonna ask is in relation to when you're kind of doing your getting ready for a show. Uh, I hate using the word cheat meal but what would, be, what would be your go-to or your favorite cheat meal when you're kind of getting ready for prep?
1: Um, so when I'm, I, this is funny, because I don't do cheat meals during prep, so I don't want to say what it is. <laughs> um, if, if, I don't, right, so just quickly, I don't do cheat meals during prep. We'll do like a refeed day. The only thing is just because cheat meals, we don't really know what's actually in them. Um, and it could really send your calorie balance off whack for the whole week. But if I was to have a meal off plan and I was allowed one, uh, I would probably go for pizza. That's my favourite food.
0: And is there a particular the pizza? Bed, uh, is there a particular pizza? I think it's, it's got to be either like a, uh, a ranch
1: one from Domino's or I'm I'm a sucker for a Hawaiian pizza. I know everyone's probably going to... Yeah, there's going
0: to be a big shock.
1: Unfollow me now. He puts pineapple on pizza. Uh, But yeah, that's definitely my my two go-tos, I
0: think. (laughs) Um... Do you have a? Are you working with a coach at the moment? Or are you kind of working on your own splits at the at the present? Yeah, so I
1: worked with I work with a coach in my last prep, Tom Mack. Um, I worked with him in twenty fifteen as well, um, and I'm working with him now just for an accountability aspect. Like we're both very similar on the way we coach. Like when it comes to what we do in regards to training and nutrition, we're both on the same page. Um, but when it comes to an accountability aspect, I feel like I need someone there because I'm busy myself at the minute and when it comes to like writing up my own plan and staying on my own things I would just probably not do it so I'd rather have someone who has given me my training my nutrition and having to worry about it myself it's that thing isn't it we're all we're all our own worst enemy sometimes we focus on others but not ourselves so that way at least i'm kind of still getting my training and moving further towards where i need to be um because someone else is telling me to do it yeah and (laughs) need someone to tell me to do something
0: (laughs) yeah and they take you out they take you hiring a coach also takes you out of your comfort zone as well because ultimately you would probably pick moves that you want to do or do kind of the Pro science yeah, and stuff yeah, it's cool. also kind of takes you out of your comfort zone um and like you're you're doing coaching at the minute online which it seems to be the realm that we're kind of moving into anyway and you have www.jackjackoutfitness.com you have a community which i love which is the team jg fit community which yeah. it, which you're doing yeah. awesome with uh at the minute Jack, you're doing awesome with that at the minute uh is there any is yeah if someone's kind of not sure about kind of the online coaching compared to the face-to-face coaching, what would be your one kind of kind of USP or what would you be the one main point that you would say to someone that's kind of unsure about it?
1: Say that again, mate, sorry.
0: So so say if there was one kind of for you, for going online coaching, for hiring an online coach, what would be the one thing that you would say to them kind of, get their head away from kind of the negative side of it or if they're unsure about kind of t- taking the plunge to kind of hire a coach? Yeah so yeah, I, I think obviously with
1: an online coach one of the biggest things is that you'll probably get I guess more out of it than you would just like an in-person in a way like in terms of like you get obviously the support and everything each day as well if you need it i don't know whether that's something like when you do in person whether you offer that but when it comes to online you've got the ability to talk to that person every day you can send them videos it is literally just like an in-person pt but without actually having them there in a way Yeah. like we we live in a in a generation where someone's a phone call away or they're a video away you can look at anything and get a change or an answer from someone in Second, so yeah, I think that's one of the biggest is Don't be scared of it because at the end of the
0: day, you can very easily get what you would get from an in-person to an online as well. I I, I think that's great advice because it's, it, and we're also kind of uh, we're always on our phones, we're always on on our tablets right at the moment. So you're gonna have your program on your phone, which is also yeah, a big plus. Uh, which plus yeah. sides, so yeah, you just yeah. simply yeah. enter a Google document or a Google Drive document, however way that coach works. And then it could be sent off to them. You don't need to send them an email. And then that person can send you back a video or a YouTube video with a kind of a personal 10-minute message, which is always a, a big thing. You're just not there to count the reps, per se. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Jack, thank you so much for coming on. I know I'll be seeing you on Saturday, hopefully, in Birmingham with AJ. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and taking your time off. And I hope you enjoy your session, your, your, leg, your weight session you're about to do, all right?
1: Thank you very much. Cheers, um, mate. I really Thank- appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday as well.
0: Brilliant. Thanks very much, Jack. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Talk to
1: you soon, mate. Bye.